Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Gorgeous ones, Dr. Lucy here this morning, and I am with the most wonderful guest. You're going to be so enraptured or encaptured as I am. Her name is Claire McDonald Liu. She's from Western Australia. She will be speaking at Low Carb Perth on the 23rd of April, and her passion is helping families reduce sugar and make healthy choices for their kids, something I know that you are all interested in. Gorgeous Claire, welcome to the podcast. Lucy, lovely to um, talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Ah, you are welcome, darling. You are welcome. You are doing amazing work and I can't wait to hear about it and also to hear about your talk that is going to be at the Low Carb Roadshow. So darling, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Because I know it's super interesting. Well, oh, it seems like a long time ago now, but I was an environmental consultant in uh, a long time ago and uh, had my lovely children, um, my son and my daughter, and they presented with some health challenges. And that's really what got me started down the route of looking into nutrition. And after a long journey with both of the children, putting them on low carb diets for their health. For my son, that was clearing up his eczema. And for my daughter, that was um, a strict low carb protocol. We put her on a keto diet for her seizures and managed her seizures and got those under control. And then that sparked my interest in studying nutrition. So off I went, studied nutrition, became a nutritionist and now love supporting families to, um, to find their healthy route and uh, tackle different types of food challenges. Ah, amazing. And in fact, so you're, you know, your family has experienced the benefits of the traditional reason the ketogenic diet was invented to improve brain health. Absolutely. And that that keeps me motivated to help other families realise the power of ketogenic diets or low carb diets so I work with schools and communities on me and my husband launched our own non-profit organization leafy.org so we put out resources and we help um, schools and school children learn about ultra processed foods and sugars but another part of the work that I do is working with families some of those have uh, autism type behaviors and realizing a, a bit of a stricter low carb protocol and uh, helping to helping them to make those bigger swaps and be a bit stricter and seeing the cognitive benefits for those families, um, mood, energy, but really importantly, behavioral um, improvements. It's just wonderful. It just really, really sparks me up. I just absolutely love it. Oh, that's amazing. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because we do know you know, I mean, well, I say we know, I guess you and I know, and certain pockets of the community know the direct link between food and mood and food and childhood behavior. And I certainly know back in my sugar guzzling days when I ate a lot of sugar and I fed my kids a lot of sugar, a lot of parties would then result in hyperactive, poorly sleeping children for the next three days. Absolutely. And we talk about it openly as a community, don't we? We we talk about the wappy children and the, oh, they're going to be so high now that after that particular event, yet um, we still we still repeat. Um, so I think um, we have that awareness on one level, 
But then society, because culturally our foods have shifted and our cultural norm has shifted, um, now ultra-processed foods, high-sugar foods, sugar being in everything, then I think our normal day-to-day foods are potentially quite harmful and damaging. Even if we know that we should be switching and, and avoiding, we don't find it always that easy to do that. No. And I think, I mean, it's certainly not, you know, Joe Blow from the general public's fault. I think there's a lot of confusing messages which are done on purpose. So I've got this new theory that it's not that new, but that, you know, marketing is like a magician. So they, they basically confuse you in order to do their trick. And they're sort of, watch over here, over here, over here. And by the way, we're just shoveling all this stuff in. And um, the magical, mischievous marketing that occurs that is that is done to children is phenomenal. I agree completely. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on with our foods and the organisations and the bodies that we should be able to rely on should be getting that in hand rather than going in with industry and big food and, uh, yes, and, and going into partnerships or arrangements with, with them. But, yeah, smoke and mirrors definitely with our food. So we have health washing of labels. So we have um, healthy-looking cereals. We've got the kind of green colours. and We've got ticks all over those boxes. Some of these have got really high star ratings. I mean, that's giving me the impression as a parent I'm busy. I haven't got time to read every single label and get into the the science and the nutritional panel of everything that I buy. It's giving me the impression that organisations and nutrition bodies have looked at that for me and are agreeing that that's a good choice for my kids. But actually, you know, what we know is that a lot of those are ultra processed foods. They're still high in fat. Yes, they might have be formulated with um, added vitamins and extra fibre and a sports endorsement, which um, high profile uh, that somebody's um, sorted out from the marketing department. But it's not good for our kids still. Some of the better swaps are costing families more money, actually, and they're still harmful to our children's health. Around almost around 50% of children's everyday regular intake are um, ultra processed foods. So foods that you couldn't make at home, they've got chemicals and additives that you wouldn't find in a home kitchen. And they, you know, we have study after study that are saying this is damaging for children's, for families' health. And children are going to be the ones who see the repercussions of that, children in particular. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day and They basically said, well, you know, what can I do? Everybody's kids have packaged food and I don't want my kid to be the only one who doesn't have it because he'll get picked on at school. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on helping people navigate that kind of space. Well, these are the type of topics I'll talk about at the roadshow, and I'm really, really excited by that. Oh, wonderful. That's going to be really good. I love um, geeking out these and learning and meeting people. So I'll be talking about different strategies uh, and how to navigate that. But there is a big problem really being the odd one out. Not every child needs to go on a low-carbohydrate diet, that's for sure, or any diet, but most children would benefit from cutting out and cutting down on the sugar, cutting down on the chemicals and the highly, highly processed packet foods. Things that we don't realise 
that are potentially damaging and harmful and ultra processed, that term that's um, now being used instead of junk food. So things like your everyday family cereal, even healthy uh, looking ones, um, packet sauces or jarred sauces um, and healthy looking cereal bars and um, muesli bars, those type of products, you know, are still those, those type of foods you want to avoid. So there's some quick wins that you can do by getting those type of foods, reducing those and bringing more whole foods in. So we'll talk about those type of strategies. But I do, as a mum of two children, completely understand that you don't want your child and your child gets to a certain age where they're not completely in your control anymore and they don't want to be the odd one out. And it becomes more and more challenging. So that's why with leafy.org and joining up with others such as James Mukey, um, Australian of the Year, we're putting out a junk-free me campaign. So we're putting together some resources that uh, letters you can send to your school and alternative rewards that schools can do. I think a lot of this has to be community-based, not blaming parents. Can't stand it when people put this all back on parents when the whole of the food environment, the whole of the marketing and even their school is often against them in terms of the food uh, environment and the food culture. So take this off the parents' shoulders definitely and let's bring this back at the school level and uh, tackle it at a school community level. I love that. I love that. And what you've just reminded me was I remember watching a documentary like a billion years ago. It was Jamie Oliver going into schools and he went in and basically looked at the milks. So the drink options for the kids were initially there was soft drink, so, you know, sugary soft drink. So they went, but then they were left with two types of milk, chocolate milk or plain milk. Well, do you think anyone took the plain milk? Of course not. They all took the chocolate milk. And then the concern was, well, they don't like the plain milk, so if we don't give them the chocolate milk, they won't drink any milk. And it's like, hmm. Actually, if you take away the sweet milk, they may initially be a downturn, but then it just went back to normal levels and they just drank the plain milk. Mm-hmm. And we're doing them damage with that flavouring in there and that, that level of sugar. We're, we're just harming those children. That reminds me of um, in America at the moment, the, the school meals um, are all of the school meals given out um, at breakfast time and at lunchtime are exceeding the daily sugar limit. And milk, flavoured milk is a major, major uh, contributor to that. So again, back to those quick wins and just sensible stuff like, should we be giving sugary pink milk to school kids? Absolutely not. And not as health professionals, that shouldn't be signed off. Yeah, we need to look at why that's happened as well. Is that because of lobbying? Where's where's it breaking down? But the answer really is parents getting together and getting their school to take this seriously. When we can, I'm talking to families and getting together with different groups and the examples of um, schools giving out, say, pizzas, Domino's pizzas, and giving out Maccas on schools' trips and rewarding the best class with um, pizzas. It's pretty crazy, really, in these times when we have 25% of children overweight or obese, and we just know how serious that is going to affect their future. And then dental caries and the um, rates of self-reported chronic disease in children in Australia 
is shocking, absolutely shocking. I mean, we're, we're at a time where this has got to be a priority for everybody and not put back onto parents and, you know, getting them to pay more and make better choices when they're so, so time poor. Yes, absolutely. It's interesting to me as a culture, and I did this exact thing as well. When I was trying to get pregnant, I looked after myself and ate well, stopped alcohol, started exercising, did all the things. Conceived, had a pregnancy again, off to, you know, some sort of pregnancy aerobics, not eating soft cheese, doing all the right things, get the baby breastfed, doing all the right things, reading 50 books on how to settle my baby, look after my baby, buy my baby's first lot of food, doing everything from scratch, cooking organic. Suddenly the baby turns two, bang, cheezels. <laughs> cheezels, <laughs> the, the kid's now eating cheezels. I'm thinking, what? You know, I look back and I go, right, the kid now, it, it just suddenly they go from eating everything from scratch and perfect to buckets of processed food, just it's like our brain turns them into a different person. And I know even when I work, because as you know, I work mainly with women, um, for a lot of them, they have still a barrier. And again, it's not their fault, it's the marketing, but they'll, they'll be eating low carb, but then they still have the, and, and this is the word I reckon, the treats for the kid. So the kids are getting these treats because that's now what the junk food industry call them because no one's going to call it junk food. It's been sort of renamed, just this stealthy renaming of treats to snack food. We've softened it, haven't we, with that language, that lovely kind of language, but this is a reward, this is kind of, and then if you if you were to take a look at the adverts, it's kind of all those warm, fuzzy, loving feelings. It's always summertime in a junk food advert. <laughs> And you're right, I've worked with clients directly as a nutritionist, and it's really interesting that a lot of my clients, again, um, are women and they have families and often have young children, and it's their own, often their own weight and an associated health diagnosis or warning of a, a diagnosis, Get kind of they're coming up to getting prediabetes or, or something like that, things are going up. And then they change their food over a period of months and start to feel well, then hopefully often the shift then goes towards the, the family. But, you know, often it's um, one individual in, in the family rather than, you know, a whole approach. And what I find is most successful for you, your child, if that's who you're kind of targeting with the health intervention and the nutrition change, or maybe it's for yourself, for your own health, for your own weight, doing it as a whole family so that the cupboards don't have the crap in, um, the temptation, you know, open the fridge and or the freezer and the ice cream's not like screaming at you. And then everyone benefits, you know, everyone starts to uh, feel better, look better, better skin, better sleep, all receive those benefits and you buoy each other on. And that's easier said than done. You know, I've worked with people whose partner's been completely disruptive and not supportive about, about making health changes, food, nutrition changes. Some people have that, don't they? That um, it's saying a lot about it's they feel maybe feel judged or they're not ready to um, change their food and face their own food habits. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely much more sustainable when you all embark on it together and get back into real food and eating healthily as a, as a whole gang. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the whole thing. It's, you know, working with people, it's most definitely not about judging that, you know, shame and judgment have no place in any nutritional change, as I know you know 
but it's about giving people some knowledge because, again, with that smoke and mirrors, a lot of people are buying stuff because they want to feed their children food that is nutritious, not realising that the health washing, as you mentioned earlier, is tricking them, that they're actually being tricked. And that, to me, I call that the wolf in sheep's clothing, the junk food that's dressed up as health food, and that that's just wicked. Mm. And there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot more coming our way with very, very confusing messages. I mean, the plant-based foods are um, a big, big one where that's um, coming out as a really healthy, healthier option than, you know, old-fashioned traditional just meat. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of examples. I think for me, cereal is the one that when I'm working with families and working with schools on their breakfast clubs, that's the one that stands out to most people's cereals. Oh, I thought that was healthy. Oh, well, you know, multicolored cereals, not healthy then. <laughs> and um, it's amazing how we have that disconnect, really. We're kind of educated, you know, years before I looked into nutrition. When I think back, when I was getting healthy, I got pregnant and I was just, you know, eating the best I could. Children came along. My son had skin problems, as I mentioned, eczema etc a few different skin cut types of problems and I was like right healthy this healthy that healthy the other and so I made him these healthy little um sweets that made of dates and um cacao just so expensive <laughs> and uh, my house smelled like a chocolatiers oh it was just heaven and um I must have upped his sugar <laughs> load per, per day by such a big percentage when I was um trying to go healthy the mistakes you make when when you don't know about carbs and sugars yeah and you know we don't all know it's not our area of life or science and why should we we should be able to rely on those organizations to tell us and, and steer us steer us down a healthy route absolutely and you know at the end of the day we all know that the the most nutritious bioavailable nutritious food is real food at the underpinning, doesn't matter whether you know you're a vegetarian or low carb or moderate carb or carnivore or whatever it is that you identify as eating. If you at least have the fundamental basics of real food, then that's a good platform to start. Absolutely, and um, for me, that's the basis of of it all. Some people may need to go stricter and kind of look at um, carbohydrate counting and some people even ketogenic but generally the majority of families if we cut out the stuff in packets and jars and we cook more from scratch and that does not have to be complicated we you know we can do such straightforward 10-15 minute meals we're not having to, to do anything completely fancy and start our own cooking shows or anything you're getting the nutrients naturally. You're getting the fibres. You don't have to think of what is the next wonder product. You must eat this berry. You must eat uh, this superfood because you're, you're getting an array. You're getting a diverse range of the different minerals and nutrients that you, and vitamins uh, that your body needs naturally. And then you're crowding out the room in your diet for the junk food and you're satiating yourself. You're satiating, your, you're feeding your children's brains, which is wonderful. You're helping them run for longer. So that's where they get more stable mood, which God knows the teenage years, they need as much of that as possible. They need that protein. They need those lovely fats, healthy fats for their brain development. And they need the stable blood sugars to manage the behavior and the mood and the energy. 
So there's just so many wins just just by keeping it ever so simple, really simple stuff. Absolutely. Well, Claire, I certainly cannot wait for your talk. It's going to be a ripper. It's going to be incredibly helpful, I think, like practical tips for families. Um, and I would extend families to being grandparents as well, because quite often the grandparents suddenly start, you know, handing out junk food after junk food with the, uh, you know, with the wonderful intention of showing their love. But I think that you were going to have some pearls for everybody who attends. Thank you. I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And like you say, it's going to be really practical, practical tips to get you started and uh, how to sustain those changes and how to feel really, really well as a family. Wonderful. All right, gorgeous ones. If you want to come to the Low Carb Roadshow in Perth, you can head to the website, which is all the W's, Low Carb roadshow.com and you'll see the dates the tickets and all the information there and if you'd like to connect with claire and have a consultation regarding your family's health or maybe you're from a school you can find her on her website leafy l-e-a-f-i-e dot org that's leafy.org have a wonderful wonderful day bye for now So my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. The information shared on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualized medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor can it be construed as such. Please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.